What's up, pillow talkers? Woo! Today's episode is fiery, passionate conversation. I hope you will enjoy it. Before we dive in, this week is the last opportunity to get locked in at the early bird enrollment rate for the Jan 2021 cohort of Magnetics Love School. This cohort is for women who date men. So if you know you want to do this, or you think you might want to do this, this week is your opportunity to apply. Get locked in at that early bird price. You can go to coreboidcoaching.com slash magnetics and submit your application. Many of your questions will likely get answered in that application. After that, you'll do a phone conversation with Jazz where she will answer more of your questions. And if you have any questions for me or you just want to connect with me and see if this is the fit for you, if this is the program for you, you can totally send me a DM on Instagram and Hey, maybe we'll voice memo a little bit. Who knows? I do love a good voice memo. So without further ado, today's episode. Relax. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. (sighs) Welcome to Pillow Talk Radio the most delicious place to be. On this podcast, we explore how to create more connection, possibility, romance, and magic in love and in life. I'm your host and relationship specialist, Cora Boyd. Are you with me? Hello, Pillow Talkers. Welcome back to the podcast. We have, you guessed it, a very special guest today, Lucy Cole, who is a dietitian and health coach, or an anti-diet dietitian and health coach. (laughs) Welcome, Lucy. Super happy to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Cora. Thank you for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. So I'm so excited to dig into this conversation because it is, well, there's going to be multiple layers. I already feel it. The conversation around body and body image is so relevant to the conversation around confidence for women and the conversation around confidence in sexuality and and confidence in dating, especially for women. There's so much societal pressure to look and be a certain way. There's so much messaging that you have to look and be a certain way and then someone will love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yes. just, it's, it's incredibly, I mean, it's, it's complete bullshit. It's just complete bullshit. So mm-hmm. Lucy, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you, how you came to do the kind of work you do, and tell us a little bit about your work as well. I like to say I'm an anti-diet dietitian because I practice intuitive eating with my clients. It's a way of healing your relationship to food and also your body where you really respect your body and also your emotional needs, which is something that I think is really missing in the nutritional sphere, which is why I love the work that I do. And the reason I got into it was actually because I was very insecure about my body. And it's so funny that I'm talking about this because like it really first started when I was in high school and like, I was always like identified as like the single one. Like I was always wanting to be seen by somebody. I wanted to have a relationship with somebody and I felt like it was my body's fault Mm. and there was nothing wrong with my body. Like Mm. I was a very like average looking person and I was also really tall. So people were like, oh, you're just intimidating. Mm. But that's what led me to when I was a, a senior in high school, I started finding the internet and diet culture. And I was like, oh, well, if I just looked like these Fitspo girls, 
I would have a boyfriend. Perfect. So I found my way into dieting and I found my way into trying to change my body and it became very restrictive. What is so interesting about that is you think that you are boosting your confidence, but I became so insecure. I hated my body and I would never say that to anybody. I'd be like, oh, I love my body, but it really needs to change. And and I really believed that when I said it. And I just like fell into this like little sphere of I need to change my body. And it was really under it all because I really didn't feel confident in myself. But over time, if you diet for too long, you just turn towards restriction. And that's what I help a lot of women overcome is we think that we're doing right by enrolling and subscribing to diet culture, doing this diet, doing this diet, losing this weight and then losing this weight and then getting it back and then doing this. But that really just leads you to binging and feeling out of control. And so that's exactly what happened to me to the extent of, I felt so ashamed and I like, I was in college and I was like, what can I do? How can I fix this? Oh, I'll learn about nutrition. So I was like, I'll help other people, but also I'll figure out the secret to losing weight and keeping it off. When in reality, I was like binging on peanut butter every night. So long story short, I found my way somehow. I'm so grateful. I just like stumbled into a little bit more of a holistic approach. I was like, I'm going to change schools. And I found something called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is a nutrition school, but it's more for health coaching. So along my way to become a dietitian, I found out about health coaching and I was like, oh, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to quit school. And (laughs) um, luckily it talked about things like your relationship to yourself. This is how you meditate. All these messages that I really needed to hear. That's what led me to stumble upon the health at every size community and very much just like body acceptance. And I think that's probably when I started to see it more and more come about. And even in the last couple of years, I've seen it become more popular, but I remember seeing pictures of girls who were in bodies that I would never feel at that time confident in, and they were loving themselves and they were so happy. And I was like, how can they be that happy? How on earth can they be that confident? They're eating cake one slice of cake at a time? How does that work? I was like so confused. So I had to learn more. (laughs) And that's what led me to intuitive eating and the work that I do, which is very much about healing your relationship to food so that you don't binge, but also you respect your body. And it's very much based on like, again, this relationship to yourself and you building that confidence that you're looking for outside of yourself. Because I subscribe to that fact of like, well, I'm not worthy yet, but if I had that body, I would be worthy. If I could just eat the perfect diet, I would be worthy. And then I could have a partner. And in high school, I did have one boyfriend. And then I like dated a little bit in college. And then like really when I dove into this like self-love, self-acceptance journey on my own, that's when I actually really saw my love life turn around. And it was really incredible. And it was really just because I started becoming more confident in myself and accepting myself and not looking to fix myself, but finding my worthiness and building that. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Wow. So. Can you speak a little bit to toxic diet culture and what you've seen and like things for people to look out for of like, oh, this is not productive? Diet culture, there's so much behind it. Many people believe it's like a way to oppress women because if you are starving yourself, if Mm -hmm. you're fixated on your appearance and all this stuff, you can't really be a functional human. And it takes so much energy. And that's what people don't realize is when you're subscribing to diet culture, you're very much fixated on food. So if you find Mm -hmm. that you are super fixated on food and what you eat changes how you see yourself and your worthiness, that's a red flag of like, you know, oh, I'm okay because I did well today. I hear that so much. I'm like, oh, I've been good. Food doesn't make you good or bad. (laughs) Food is food. You are yourself. You're your awesome self. So when it comes to looking out for diet culture, anything that says, you know, this is good or bad and languages of like, well, you can't have this and you can have this or sets a time limit because your health 
should be something you're working towards all the time. So if it's something that you're trying to do for like 30 days, unless you have a medical condition that's really going to help you, and that's truly for health in your medical condition, I find most people are not in that category. If you're, if it's like a, you know, 30 days, 21 days, or this like 75 hard is another thing. It's more of like a mental challenge. If it sets a time limit, that's probably something you don't want to be taking part in because it's not actually teaching you anything about sustainability. And that's where true health comes from. Like everybody knows that health and anything good, even relationships, it takes time to build and work on if it's worth it. I feel like health is so much about quality, same with health of a relationship or mental Mm -hmm. health. And like quality isn't the individual things. It's not like this one thing you ate. It's like the quality of an experience, which is the whole picture of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. the quality of this relationship. It's not like just, well, I did this one good thing for you. So I've been good. So it's it's kind of funny (laughs) to look at it and, and like parallel with a relationship, the relationship dynamic that we see on the internet and messaging and all of these things encourages is it's very like a tit for tat dynamic. It's very like bartery. Yes. It's so it would never true. work with a person. No, it <laughs> like would that would never not create work. a quality, healthy relationship <laughs> with a person. Yeah. It's so true. And that's why I love using the language of your relationship to food, because I think a lot of us are putting these like huge expectations of like, oh, well, if I just had the perfect diet, if I were just healthy, like then it would make me confident. It would make me happy. It would make me a good person. It would do all these things for me. It would make me feel fulfilled. It would make me feel confident. I mean, it's nice when a person does that for you, but if you're expecting that of somebody else, they're probably going to run away from my experience. Absolutely. I have not read yet intuitive eating. It's a book, right? There's a book. It is a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's been surfacing on my radar for a, a long time. So I'm really excited to, to read it. I read this book called beauty sickness. I haven't heard of it. I've heard of the beauty myth, but not beauty sickness. But now I'm yeah. Oh, very, it's really good. The author's name is Renee Engel, and it's called Beauty Sick, How the Cultural Obsession with Appearance Hurts Women and Girls. Yes. It, it was very impactful for me and just kind of how per what we were talking about of this energy drain and what happens when you're just like fixated on your appearance. And, you know, I I say this also as someone who of the seven deadly sins, vanity is certainly one, you know, like I love dressing up. I love makeup. Like I am, I definitely, you know, I just want to acknowledge that. I, I certainly care about my appearance. I certainly put energy towards it. So coming from that lens and it is something that I actually enjoy doing. And there have been times in my life where it wasn't enjoyable, right? Like the experience I most relate to around body image. And of course, you know, I'm a, I'm in a female body. So of course I've had doubts and questions around weight and all of these things, Mm -hmm. but I used to have acne. So I understand an experience through of like wanting to hide and like how much attention I gave to that when I was younger and how much unworthiness I felt around that and how much that was very much connected to like my ideas around worthiness and intimate relationships. Just this, you know, it's a different thing, but it's still, it's an appearance thing that I've really come to understand the impact of as I've grown up. It is such a drain. And and this book talked about body image from various angles. And it was very impactful for me of just seeing and and recognizing of like, whoa, like as a young person, what what is all the shit I could have been doing with my mental energy and my intellect and my uh, blah, 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 if I wasn't like obsessing about skincare and like makeup and all of these things. It's an interesting feeling to reflect on 
a lot of people in the like skin positivity communities, there's a, a lot of fixation with clean food. And like, if I break out, it's my fault and blah, blah, blah. That's like, you know, a whole nother thing that is also tied to food as well. And it's just, we're all just humans and bodies, you know, and we're all worthy. And I'm really happy that more conversations are happening like this and, and more people like you are, are doing this kind of work to let people know, hey, you don't have to live in misery because of this unrealistic standard that we are all held to. What I'll say too is like beauty, beauty is a quality. <laughs> beauty is a quality too. It's not like you were speaking of those, those women you saw and you're like, whoa, why are they so confident? It's like beauty is a quality. It's an energy. It's an identity. It's a way to carry ourselves. And it's, it is also something to be celebrated and it is skin deep. It's like, it's just the vessel, right? Yeah, I love that. It's so interesting too, because it's like the question of what could I have been devoting my time and attention yeah. to Yeah, that, was, that would have been more productive. And I think it's because, especially as women, obviously there's, you know, pressures that men face as well. But I think as women, yeah. a lot of our value is tied to our appearance. And so we're yeah. taught we're not worthy if we don't meet the standard. And so if you yeah. feel like you have any imperfection, you're like, well, I'm not worthy. I'll be worthy I, when. Right. I'll be worthy when, and that is going to be my goal. And once I achieve that goal, then I will do this, right? We just like, mm -hmm. it's like a putting off of life and what really matters in life. And mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up too, you know, there's definitely physical insecurities that are pushed on men as well. And that's, you know, that's super real and that's super relevant, you know, even pertaining to size, dare I say it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The fixation with size. I always remember in Titanic when she says to that guy, she's like, have you heard of Dr. Freud? His studies on the male preoccupation with size might be very interesting to you. Do you remember that scene? <laughs> I haven't watched Titanic. <laughs> what? I know. It's so I know terrible. what we're doing whenever we get to meet. <laughs> I would love to watch it with you. No, I've never just had the chance of like, tonight's night. It's like, it's never happened. <laughs> I mean, it is an undertaking. It is. It yeah. is you're like, you, you got to buckle in if it's Titanic night. I used yeah. to watch the VHS with my family and it's two VHSs. Sometimes we would just watch oh the first VHS because shit really starts to go downhill in the second VHS. <laughs> anyway, I but, just... But I think it's really important. Honestly, I like getting back to that conversation. Like I want to talk to more men about it because I think yeah. with like toxic masculinity, it, there's just not room for men to talk about it. Like I think it's more acceptable for women to talk about. It is a very real conversation. And I, I've honestly like had so many men message me recently of like, guys go through this too. And I'm like, I know yeah. you do. And like, I'll see comments that are like very, very insecure of like guys saying like, well, we have to look this way for you. And it's like, no, like, and I think this is where people yeah. get it wrong. It's like, you're trying to be appealing to somebody else. And as yeah. long as you're trying to gain the approval of somebody else through whatever you do, but especially your appearance, you're always going to fall short because and be insecure because you're never satisfying sure. your own self. Exactly. Your own, yeah. You're always outsourcing your power. You're always saying, mm -hmm. I'll be powerful when someone else tells me I'm powerful. Mm -hmm. I'll be good enough when someone else tells me I'm good enough. And it's like, mm -hmm. as long as that is the case, that as long as that is the paradigm, even when and if you do get that approval and the blah, 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 it's still not going to be enough because that's the paradigm. And I think with the conversation with men too, it's just important to look at that like societally, when it comes to love, we get this messaging that the guy needs to be rich and successful and the woman needs to be beautiful. 
That's it. That's, that's it. it. Right. And like, that's there are obviously <laughs> pressures around, you know, even that song summertime, you know, your dad, your daddy's rich and your mom is good looking. Right. Mm-hmm. It, and there's a lot of pressures for men around the success and the money, of course. Mm-hmm. And there are pressures for men around the physical, right? But the thing that I would want men to understand is that when the world is telling you growing up that the only thing that matters is that you're beautiful and beautiful means this and this is what beauty looks like. And, you know, until recently, the, the, I even remember, you know, sometimes I look at things from the early 2000s or movies or, and I'm just like, oh my God the beauty standard was so singular. It was so singular. And I just feel sad for my little self and all the little girls being like, this is the only way to be. This is the only way to be beautiful. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's really heartbreaking and (laughs) it is shifting. But I think what we really need to honor is that this is deep conditioning that we have all been conditioned with. For any men listening, what I would want you to understand is like success has in part, you know, obviously success is one metric and society often has a very narrow definition of success as well, right? There, there's mm-hmm. things to unpack there. And success actually does have something to do with who you are and the actions that you take and your character. Mm-hmm. When you're told growing up that the only thing that matters for your quote success as a woman is how you look and the only way to like hit that metric is to look this particular singular way. It is so fucking disempowering. Mm-hmm. It is it is disempowering on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. It is to be because it's not about who you are. It's not a, in the way that it's talked about or was talked about, right? Or is kind of like unproductively talked about. It's not about who you are. It's about your image and then simultaneously we are bombarded with the anti-aging and all of these things of like, this is the only thing that matters of you and it's going away and it's going away. And just when you, and you're never going to be able to fully own it because as soon as you feel that you have reached this body weight, then it's, oh my God, I have wrinkles. And then it's, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. I also don't think men understand or realize how much money is in these industries. So much money. So So much money. money. In like 2000, I think it's 2018 or 2019 for just like the diet fitness industry, it was $72 billion, Mm. $72 billion, which also from a dietitian's perspective, diets are proven to not work. Like shown statistically, people fail 90 to 95% of the time, even 98% of the time on diets. So 90 to 98% of $72 billion a year is being flushed on the toilet. And the the, mind boggling, what what I hear in your saying and what you're saying too, which I think is really relevant is that like the, the, it, when when I get excited, sometimes I'm like, (laughs) I'm at it. I like, they're all coming through and I need to calm down and pause and let the one that needs to (laughs) come first. Okay. So what you just said is really important, which is you're set up to fail. When you're set up to fail, what happens is if you're coming to this experience of going to the diet because your self-esteem is low, it decreases your self-esteem because it is not designed for your thriving. It is designed for the continuation of the opt-in. It convinces you. 
that it's your fault. And that's why we resubscribe. Exactly. It puts the problem on you. It puts the problem on you. The fact that it is so addicting makes it incredibly convenient to just say, instead of maybe I work on my personality, how could I improve my relationships? How could I see myself as more worthy? What could I do better in my career? We say, oh, I'll just start that diet. Yes, exactly. So much easier. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Because it's this constant surface level distraction and even, you know, reflecting on being a young woman and putting this energy and and I think there's an important element of of self-forgiveness too, because like I'm not gonna be mad at my little self who is like, I need to blah blah and all this skin, I'm gonna obsessively blah blah, right? Because like that's what I was, you know, that's what I was doing at the time. That's what I'm like. I'm not going to put regret there of like, what could I have been if I wasn't, if I wasn't swept up enough in the blah, blah, blah <laughs> to, you know? So I think there's such an important element of like releasing the density of shame around having put so much time or, or having been in, in a certain cycle or having had a relationship with food that you know, really made you miserable or having had like all of these things. It's like, it's not you. It's not your character flaw. It's not your weakness. It's not any of that. It's not on you. Yeah. And the problem isn't you. And it's not, it's not bad to want to look good and to feel good about yourself. And like one thing that when you're saying like, you like your appearance, like awesome. And there's a very different energy about it versus like, Mm. one is like, I'm not worthy. I have to do this and then I'll be worthy versus, Ooh, what would I look like with red lipstick? What would I look like? Right. right, right? right. It's like, you get to have fun and pride in your appearance, but when it comes at your detriment Mm -hmm. and it's not a form of self-expression because you want people to see you, it's a form of actually hiding yourself. That's when you need to look at it and say, okay, what's going on here? Exactly. And I think that's so relevant too, because another form of shaming that happens a lot too, is shaming people who care about their looks and who take joy in their aesthetic. That's not helpful either. (laughs) It's not helpful either, right? Like our bodies are to be enjoyed. Our appearance is to be expressed. Like all of these things, it's okay. It's okay to care about what you look like. It's Mm -hmm. okay to care about the physical. And it's like, where are we calibrating it? And what is underneath that? What are, where are we focusing on? Like the quality of it or like what energy are we coming to that with exactly what you said? What energy are we coming to that conversation with? So I think that's really relevant too. And also like not talked about enough is the shaming of people who do care about their looks, who who, who like are kind of actively and publicly luxuriating in their aesthetic, so to speak. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. And I think it, this is me speculating, but it's like, I think people who don't feel confident and feel like it's not okay to value their appearance, still hate on other people because they're like, well, you can't do that. And it's like, no, you can, you can, it's your life. You know, you can value whatever you want. And I think also it's like, I think people are afraid if you value your appearance, you won't value anything else. Yeah. Because maybe like when you're caught in this cycle of unworthiness because of your appearance, you're valuing appearance more so than something that might be more important. And so I think it's really good to keep the perspective of you can love your appearance. You can luxuriate in your appearance and feeling good about yourself and know that there's other things to you. And that's when you keep it in a balance yeah. of yeah. you also value other parts of yourself and value other parts of other people. That's like the biggest part that I would love to, for someone to take away. It's like your appearance and your body are wonderful parts about you, but it's not the only part. It's not the only thing to you. And especially too, like if 
you do feel insecure about yourself, your appearance, usually there's something that's going on deeper and we just project it onto our body of like, well, my body's too X, Y, Z. And it's like, okay, well, is your personality, do you feel good about your personality? Do you feel good about your life? Like what is, what else is going on here? Right. That comes back to what we were saying of like the success and wealth for men, the beauty for women. And that's where it just has got, like, if that is the only thing that we are valuing, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And one thing I love that you said, it's like, there's a very singular definition of beauty where it's widening now. And like, I want like for men and women to understand, like, I think we're starting to appreciate diversity more and understanding that everyone has a value and there's no one set definition or standard of success or beauty. You can fit into like any of those. Yeah. You You can fit into success. You can fit into beauty as you are right now. Yeah. And as soon as you understand that and welcome that, that's, yeah. I think when that energy changes and that attraction comes too, cause you're like, wait, yeah. I actually feel pretty good about myself. Mm-hmm. You should, you should come join the party. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's with dating, with relationships, with like attraction, it's the energy. It is the energy. It is the energy of how you carry yourself and how you present yourself. I can't emphasize that enough. I did a post on Instagram recently and you know, I was talking about how like sexy is a choice. It's a choice. You're just like, oh yeah, who so is true. the sexy me? It is, it is a fucking choice. We've all met this person who is like aesthetically super conventionally attractive and, and it's just like not alluring. It is the energy. It's like there, this is something that we can create and we create it by this internal locus of power. It's so true. My sister has been one of my biggest teachers in that because she told me one day, she was like, oh, I just decided that I was hot. Like she freaking is, like she freaking is. And to see her embody that is just amazing. What I teach my clients too is like, we can see people of all different shape, sizes, success levels who are attractive and or confident and not. Yeah. So it's not about the objective, what you have when it comes to like your appearance or even like personality traits or anything. Yeah. It's about you deciding that you're going to be confident about what you have. That's what really, really attracts people, no matter what you look like, no matter what you look like. It's that confidence in yourself. It's the energy. That's what you're talking about, which I love. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's just, I mean, there's so many intersections to this. There's so many elements of this. And like, obviously we're both slim white women speaking about this. And like, there's so many like deeper layers and intersections with race and oppression and like body size and race. Absolutely. The structure is intricate. So (laughs) intricate. And it's again, it just comes back to like, it's a form of oppression. It's a form of oppression. So that's why I think it's so powerful. Like no matter where you fall in this, like in the spectrum of like conventional, acceptable body. And what is conventional? Conventional is is white, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Quote conventional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I won't get into it here. I made like a TikTok about it recently that yeah. I was like, Oh my God. Cause it's like shrinking our bodies has roots in racism. And yes. it's very much the, the roots of shrinking our body is moral superiority. It's connected to your body size and like skin tone and all that yeah. stuff. A lot of people don't realize it. And a lot of people are unconscious about it, but it's in there. And that's why I think a lot of women, like we can be very conscious of this and we'll yeah. still feel the insecurity because we are conscious, but also living within the system. <laughs> right. And that's kind of what I was saying too, where it's, it's, you know, we both see this as coaches and experience this as humans and as coaches, as people who are coached, that moment of realization, when you discover something new or you become privy to something you weren't aware of before, 
it is very easy to, to choose to default back into shame of not having known that before or not having been aware of it before or all of these things. And you can choose to be grateful that you know now, rather. You can choose to be grateful that you know now and you can choose to be excited to learn more and to discover more things you didn't know and to expand your worldview. But like, that's where like the energy gets trapped is in this learning or where we'll avoid learning, right? And, and the awakening to what we weren't fully aware of, right? And I think like, <laughs> as white people, we like have been going through that more and more and a lot of people you know it's fucking uncomfortable you have to lean into the discomfort yeah. it's so true and i love that you bring that up because it is so easy and i even find myself falling into this a lot of like shaming yourself for not mm. knowing better and like yeah now when you know better you can do better and exactly. i honestly had a kind of like an identity crisis earlier this year because i was like how can i be a thin privileged white woman who's doing this work of teaching people how to heal their relationship to their body and their food, you know? But what is the most empowering thing is knowing that it's our job yeah. to inform people like us, the oppressors, essentially, yeah. that this is going on. It's not the job of someone who is in a marginalized body or in a marginalized any way, right? It's not their job to educate us. It's our job to be educators yeah. and to change the system. Yeah. And so that's what gives me fire. It gives me motivation and passion yeah. because I'm like, we need to freaking change this. And that's why I get very passionate about it. Yeah. And I love the, and I love the, like the field, the little corner of the field that I'm in, because there's a big conversation with nutrition that needs to happen of like, what is quote unquote healthy is like white food. Mm. It doesn't leave any room for any other culture's food. It's like, when you think of like, when I think of healthy, it's like, okay, smoothies, avocado toast, like, <laughs> yeah. That's white people food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a very big stigma about it can get down to that intricacy. And there needs to yeah. be a lot more room for acceptance and diversity and saying we need to redefine what success looks like, what health looks like, yeah. what beauty looks like, because it should not come in one shade and one color. Yeah, absolutely. And that it's it's so relevant in the space of dating and relationships too, and just I feel you on that of just like, it lights the fire under my ass. It's also humbling. It's, it's really humbling to be like, damn, here's who I am. And here I'm just going to keep showing up the best that I can and keep learning and keep doing it. Keep doing it. And hopefully getting better and better and, and, and expanding my awareness around all of these experiences that are not my lived experience love and romance is all about how it's packaged it's all about beauty right mm -hmm. and it is the truth is it is but beauty in the poetic sense right like in the, mm -hmm. in the it's beauty in the figurative sense right like the beauty of of love and the feelings and it's like those are not experiences that are only granted as a prize to people who look this one singular way. The way that we can understand beauty needs to be so much more in the poetic and the figurative sense mm -hmm. and in the aesthetic, right? Like that's also okay. And that's, but there's so many different beautiful aesthetics and ways to be. It's so true. And I think the best shift for me is instead of seeing, because a lot of people have terms like good or bad, right or wrong. I don't look right or like, I don't look, you know, I don't look good. I don't look 
I don't look beautiful. It's like, okay, well, let's dive a little bit deeper because I think the beauty is in taking appreciation for all of the characteristics that you present in the sense of appearance, but also personality. Like, so like you could be in a bigger body. There's a lot to appreciate about that. You couldn't be in a smaller body. There's a lot to appreciate about that. But instead of saying one is good or bad blanket statement, that doesn't tell you anything about a person. And I could even say like, Cora, Cora's a good person. Yeah. But I would miss out on all the wonderful things of like, you're like dreamy, you're like passionate, you're inspiring, you're hilarious. <laughs> so if I were to tell you like you were good, that's so boring. It's that's, so boring. It's so boring. It's so funny you say that because I always tell that to my clients. I say like the more specific a compliment is to the person, the more it means. And like, hey, listeners, take that. When you go on date, like don't just be like, you are nice. I like you. Like that doesn't mean shit. That doesn't, that isn't, that compliment doesn't belong to that person. Right. But like the compliments that mean the most is when we truly like can show that we see the specificity and the unique entity that is this person. Yeah. And I think that's what we kind of reject when we don't feel confident in our appearance or even in ourselves. It's like, we want to be seen on that level. Like we want to be like, oh, you're quirky. Or that's not, that's also a kind of like blanket statement, but like you are nerdy because you like anime or you like this specific thing. Like that's something that can feel vulnerable, but we want it to be seen. We want to be seen. Exactly. We want to be seen. We all want to be seen and we want to feel known and we want to belong. It's all we want. And if we could all just start doing that for ourselves and other people, literally, we could all be having a blast. It's happening. We're manifesting it, Lucy. It is is happening. I get, like, I see these visions and I'm just like, if, like, society could just get their fucking priorities sorted, literally everyone gets to thrive. I'm so with you. (laughs) I would think it's like, at least when it comes to like the, not everybody can win, like only a couple people. It's like such an ego game of like, well, if, if I don't look better than somebody else, or if I don't have more love, or if I don't have more success than somebody else, or someone else has more than me, how can I also be good? It's like, no, that's where we appreciate each individual for their individual amazingness and what we all contribute. Mm -hmm. It's not about the comparison game we need to understand that ego isn't bad and enjoying like flexing, enjoying our power, enjoying that, how we look, all of these things. It's not bad. It's what, where it gets sticky and dicey is when we're doing at the expense of someone else. And I watched this Ted talk years ago from this woman who was a salsa dancer and she was talking about the seduction of salsa and kind of like the dance of seduction and like she had spent a lot of time in Cuba and but she was describing how because there's not this messaging tv blaring internet blah 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 blah, she said she noticed that like everyone just felt sexy and that like everyone would just celebrate each other or they'd be like, you look amazing. And like everyone was just celebrating each other for their unique sex appeal. And like anyone listening who is more familiar with Cuban culture than I am, let me know, right? Like I'm just speaking from a TED talk I watched years ago, but I I always remembered this scene that she described of how there was a difference in people being taught to celebrate their beauty and their sex appeal and their sexuality and celebrate it for their own flavor of it without this comparison of if you're sexy, then I can't be like, we can all, we can all be sexy. 
we can all be beautiful. Like we can, like it gets to happen. There's not like a tap on the reservoir of sexiness whatsoever. What I see at the bottom is like inherent worth where it's like, you don't have worth until you get something like, Oh, when you get the body or you buy the product, you buy the, you know, no wrinkles, then you'll have it. Like it's somebody else's thing to give you. And it's so not. And I think like when we can shift into that of like, I'm worthy, you're worthy, everyone's worthy. That's where we shift into the energy of everyone is sexy. Everyone can be sexy. There's unlimited sexiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what's you know? fun about it is that there is so many different ways. It's like getting to discover the way in which you are sexy and you are sexy. Yes. So there's different, I say to my clients a lot, there are different flavors of sex appeal. You don't have to go try to replicate someone else's flavor of sex appeal. You cultivate your own sex appeal and you have your own flavor of it. And, and yeah. once we realize this, then we, we realize, whoa, I do have this internal locus of power and like, I don't need to be looking to everyone else or searching outside of myself all the time for all of these things and all of these seals of approval. And yes. Yeah. It's exactly what you said though. It's like, you get to decide how you want to feel. You have a specific flavor that you want to feel and that you want to embody. And it's important for you to discover what that is. And what I love to teach my clients. And I think it's one of the most powerful shifts I've experienced. It's actually um, like Danielle Laporte. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but Mm -hmm. like core desired feelings of like what we think we're looking for in like our body or appearance, go for the energy because it's already accessible to you now. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to feel sexy and you're like, I need to change my body in this way. I need to change my appearance. Then I'll be sexy. No, stop that bull crap. Like you need to understand there's something that will make you feel sexy right now that you can do. There's something that can make you feel confident. That can make you feel successful. That can make you feel whatever it is. It is already there. It's about you learning the skills to embody it. That's what's going to give it to you. It's never going to be handed to you. It's you deciding it's there and I'm going to find it. That claiming it for yourself. And I love what you said of a discovery. And I think it's a, it's a discovery and a simultaneous creation of like, what do I want it to be? Mm-hmm. What do I want it to be? Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Lucy, thank you so much. This is such a fun conversation. I think you know, like we covered God, we covered a lot. Um, a lot. We covered quite a bit. So if you want to keep up with Lucy, you can find her at... Find me on Instagram. That's like the main hub. It's lucycall underscore rd. And you can also find me on TikTok. That's where I'm meeting a lot of new people. She's blowing up on TikTok. <laughs> I got to tell you that the community on TikTok, like everyone is just so human and I love it. Like I get so many good interactions. People are just so like willing to be the humanness, like wow. that more collective, everyone can be sexy. Like I, yeah. I have that feeling on TikTok and I love it. So find me yeah. on TikTok too, please. Awesome. All right. I got to get my ass on TikTok. It's happening. <laughs> you got to do it, Cora. It's so fun. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me, Cora. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pillow Talk Radio. I'm Cora Boyd and make sure to subscribe so we can keep you in the loop. In the interim, you can find me on Instagram at the Cora Boyd, YouTube Cora Boyd, website CoraBoydCoaching.com. Have an excellent rest of your day, night, morning, evening, whatever it is, wherever you are, and we'll catch you next week.